Okay. So as a way of introduction to uh, Rabbi Rieti, the topic of today is resilience. And I'm, I'm, I don't know what Rabbi Rieti is going to discuss, but I imagine um, a lot of it will have to do the resilience of an individual. But I think that, um, as we know, every Jew is a microcosm or is like a small world, a small Kalali Shal, if you will. And I think that that which... Um, the resilience of an individual can be connected to the resilience of Kalal Yisrael, which then brings us to Rabbi Rieti. You know, Rabbi Yaakov Emden famously said that the greatest open miracle from the beginning of time until today is the fact that Kalal Yisrael, the Jewish people, have endured all the trials and tribulations of the millennia, the Holocaust, the Crusades, the Inquisitions, all the different things throughout the thousands of years, the fact that we're still here, and not just here, but strong as ever, that is the greatest open miracle. And if there was any one person who we could look at and see the 2,000, 3,000 years of Kalal Yisrael in one individual, it would be Rabbi Rieti. Okay. As a Svardisha with a, you know, Svardi blood, with Hasidish involvement, Coming from England and the Lithuanian world, he has all the Kalal Yisrael together in one with Kanai Nahara, with Baruch Hashem. He's well known. He doesn't need my small introduction of who he is, but his, his authorship, his speaking abilities, and his education, and all walks of life into all different kinds of people. So it is indeed our pleasure, and more importantly, our schos, our privilege to have Rabbi Rieti. Yet again, join the St. Louis Senior Kolel Division of the St. Louis Kolel for this important topic. And we look forward to hearing the, the words of wisdom and words of inspiration from Rabbi Rieti. Right. Um, if it's okay, Rabbi Rieti, I don't know if this was discussed, but afterwards, if there's time for questions, people can unmute themselves and ask the questions. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Okay, so thank you for the hesped, um, uh, the kind introduction. I appreciate it. Uh, and um, you, you forgot to add to my resume. I'm also a good actor. Um, so that, that uh, you've got to go figure it out um, where I'm really coming from. My father was an actor. And believe it or not, his father before him was an actor. So put Hamashulash Labim Hirainatek. So I have a chazaka on that side. So... Uh, but as they say, you can fool most of the people most of the time, but not all the people all the time. So um, without any further ado, very special thank you for your kind words. Thank you, uh, Rabbi Nitzan, for inviting me also to be involved. And I don't know who else is involved on uh, in this uh, coming together. So thank you to everyone. Um, the res resilience is really a huge subject. And we're going to, I hopefully, actually do a little bit more than scratching the surface. Um, Your DNA has an unfair advantage as uh, Robert Berkowitz, it's Robert Berkowitz, right? Um, uh, uh, pointed out, your, your DNA has an unfair advantage. You see, your DNA comes from uh, the two most towering tzaddikim in world history who really put monotheism back on the map. Um, after Noach and after Adam Rishon. Of course, that's Avram Avinu and Sara Imenu. Uh, you have an unfair advantage because Asara Nisyaina is Nitnasa Avram Avinu. Hashem put Avram Avinu through 10 
tests um, to demonstrate his mettle. How resilient are you going to be if you're thrown into a kivshan ha'esh, an oven of fire, will you still not let go of your belief that there's only one power over all powers? Um, are you willing to let go of your past? I'll translate myself. Your past and lech um, lecha. I want you to go to the land I'm showing you, but you don't. I'm not telling you where to go yet. I'm just telling you to go. And I want you to go from the land of your father, from the land of your birthplace, from the culture that you were raised in, uh, to the land I'm going to show you. So he's being told, let go of your past. The last Lech Lecha, and the only other Lech Lecha in the entire Tanakh, is Avram Avinu is invited to let go of his future. He's promised a son 67 years ago, and 67 years later, when his son is 37, so that means he still waited 30 years. Avram Avinu waited 30 years from the time of the Brisbane Apsarim till his son was actually born. And then at the year of 37 of Yitzhak's life, Avram Avinu is told, let go of your future and bring your son as a korban. Um, Sari Menu went through most of the Nisyanis, most of the tests that Avram Avinu went through. And in that sense, what we really have here is in your DNA, resilience. So you have an unfair advantage and you've got a track record. As, as the rabbi pointed out, um, we have been through Golas Bavel. Well, you can start with Mitzrayim if you want. Uh, and Golas Bavel and Golas Pras, the Persian Empire with Haman, the story of uh, Megillus Estes coming in a shul near you soon. Um, and you've also been through the Greek Empire, Golas Yavan. You've been through, and we still are, in the Golas Edim, the Roman uh, exile. Um, we've been through the Crusades, the Inquisition, the Cossacks, Tafutak, Tsarist Russia, Communist Russia, Holocaust, Jihad. OMG, we've really been through it all, and, and yet we're still here. And so your DNA of resilience is probably, arguably, the greatest ingredient that a Jew already has. So we're going to, we're going to go back to absolute basics, and that is really the following. Is resilience something that you get as part of a role model of your parent, your uh, teacher, parents, um, seeing a sibling going through uh, a tremendous difficulty and, and yet you learn from them how to stand up to your own trials? So I would say there's a partial yes to that, but I think the real answer is that resilience isn't something that's either role modeled or you get it's all ready inside you. And um, I'm going to demonstrate that with a, a few uh, sources. The first one is actually God's description of his creation of man. Now, I think that's a pretty good place to start. Um, because in, in uh, chapter two, I think it's verse, um, I'm going I'm to read it to you, it'll be a lot easier. Uh, verse seven, Vayitzer Hashem Elokim. Now, Yitzer is a very important language. It, it's from the word Sar, Sadi Resh, which means to form or design. It's also the two-letter root of Tsar, which means suffering. Um, it's also the, the, the two-letter root of Tsura, which means a form. So, by Yitzer Hashem Elokim, Hashem designed man, Afar, earth, soil, 
from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils, nishmat chayim. And this is the word, we, these two words we have to look at carefully. He breathed into his nostrils, nishmat chayim. So the word neshama, as you know, means soul. And if, as the Arizal uh, famously points out, when a glass blower blows through a tube to the glass at the end, which is all molten, and fashions through his breath, the shape of that glass, the glass blower, so to speak, is actually blowing from his essence. The air in his lungs is being blown through the tube, and it's the air from the lungs of the blower that's now inside the glass. And in that sense, the Arizal wants us to understand that when Hashem blew into man's nostrils, nishmat chayim, a soul of lives, please forgive me if I don't follow Christian-based translations, um, because uh, uh, we'll, we'll lose out on what the Torah is trying to say. The word chayim doesn't mean life. Uh, that's a popular translation. And not only is it not accurate, um, it's a detour, because there is no word in Lashna Kodesh for life. And being that Lashna Kodesh created reality, if there's no word for life in Lashna Kodesh, that means it doesn't exist. Chayim is plural, which means lives, because we don't believe that this is the life. We believe that there's Olam Hazer, this world, La'afuke, which excludes the fact that there's an Olam Emes, a real world, which is interfacing with the physical world all the time, existed before this world, will continue to exist after we die. So in, in the, the correct translation, therefore, is that God breathed into the nostrils of the first man a soul of lives, meaning it's a soul that exists on both planes, in the physical body of man in this life, but also we exist simultaneously in the, the world of truth. Rashi actually brought it in last week's parasha, Perak Kaf Gimel. I think it was Pasuk Kaf base in Parshas Mishpatim. Um, uh, the reference there is actually talking about re returning um, an object that you took as a mashkain, as a, as a deposit collateral from a poor man. And God says, look, I take every single night your soul from your body and I return it to you every morning. So at least learn from me to be loyal to the owner of the object that you took collateral from and return it to uh, first thing the next morning. But uh, look at the Rashi there, it's actually quoting the Medrash Tanhuma. Look at the Medrash Tanhuma, it's, it's in much more detail, it's fascinating, where the, the Chazal are telling us that our soul, or at least part of the five parts of the soul, if you want to get into a little bit more detail, that's not for today, that the part of the soul that leaves the body at night time is interfacing with the real world where we are told everything that we did that day and we even agree to the midah connected midah, the measure for measure counterpart of what's going to happen in my next 24 hours before I, I uh, report back in my next sleep. Um, I actually agree to everything Hashem uh, has decreed for the next 24 hours. Um, that's part of, I hope we'll, we'll quote near the end of the presentation, of what David HaMalach, um, uh, in his resilience, I think he was the king of resilience, he basically said, and we said it this morning, we're going to say it again tomorrow morning, Zehayon, this day. Now, that doesn't mean yesterday and doesn't mean tomorrow. It means this day. Which part of this day? Well, the moment that you're saying the words. 
So you're not talking about just, just Zehayon, the whole 24-hour period. You're saying this moment right now, Zehayon, this day and this moment right now, right now who made it? Oh, Asa Hashem. The Rabbani Shalom already made this day. And therefore, there has to be good in it. And because there has to be good in it, because God is perfectly good and there's perfect justice, there are no mistakes. Therefore, no matter what I experience today, Nagila, let us reveal and rejoice, be happy in it. Meaning, your soul breathed into you at creation and um, in, in our, well, that was Adam Rishon, but in our particular cases, at the moment of conception, every soul um, is what powers your microscopic brain and heart. At the moment of conception, that's all you and I are. Microscopic brain and heart. And for the next 40 days, I think it is, that your brain and heart actually creates your skeletal system, your muscular system, your respiratory system your nervous system, every system, your lymph system, every single system in your entire body and all the organs are created by your mind and your heart, your brain and your, your heart, because they are divine intelligence. You are powered by a neshama that is divine intelligence. In the words of Eiv, which is quoted many times in the Achreinim, it's a chelik elokamim ma'al. Your, your Neshama is kaviachal, so to speak, a part of God. So when God said at, right at the beginning of creation, I have breathed into you nishmat chaim, a soul of lives. It's a soul that exists forever. Here's the good news, and then I'm going to tell you the good news. The good news is you never die. That's the good news. Now, the really good news is when the body dies, that's not the real you. You're, the real you never dies. That's your neshama. The body is only temporarily going to die. And after it's buried, we look forward to Tchiasamesim, resurrection of the dead. Resurrection of the dead is so central to Judaism that our sages legislated in Shemona Esrei. Many themes, but there's no theme in the entire Shemona Esrei. Go count it yourselves. There's no theme, no one topic in Shemana Esrei, which is the pinnacle, the zenith of all of our preparation of Pesuket de Zimra, all comes to Shemana Esrei. There is no theme that is repeated as many times in Shemana Esrei as Tchias Resurrection of the Dead, five times, just in the first three brachas. No other theme. It is so central. And that's because we are certain, not we, it's not Animamin Bemuna Shalema, I believe with complete faith. Please forgive me. That's actually a Christian-based translation. Please, it's not my words. That's what Rabbi Shimon Schwab of blessed memory, he told me the correct translation of Ani Mamin Be'emunah Shalema correctly translates as I am convinced with absolute certainty. We are certain that our soul will be returned to our body at Chiyasam And in the words of Yeshayahu, our, our uh, prophet um, uh, Isaiah, I think it's chapter 54, verse 7, um, in describing this long galus that we have had the resilience to stand up to, and we're still here, um, says the Navi, the entire galus, which is now we know almost 2,000 years, berega katan azaftich, berega, inside 
A rega, a rega is just a moment, a second. That means less than a second. The rega cotton inside less than a small second. I mean, it's like basically you're trying to reduce a second, which is our pretty much lowest measurable moment that our mind pays any attention to before you get to hundreds and thousands of a second. But berega cotton in a small rega, azavtich, I forsook you. In reference to this long galas. But with abundance of mercy, of rachamim, I will gather you in. And you look at the Radak Rash, you look at the Marashonim there. How long you will be gathered in for? Forever. So our big picture is that resilience is part of your neshama that was breathed into you at the moment of conception. And it is the real you. The real you never dies. And even the body, when it is separated from the real you, it's going to be reunited and that will be forever. In the words of, also from Yeshayahu, I don't remember where, I think it's chapter 28, um, Hashem will swallow death forever. So the first, the first place I want to, to, to uh, identify is that your soul can't die. It can't be damaged and um, it can never be lost. Okay, there is Kares. I'm not going to go there. Um, there are some Rashaim who are so, so wicked um, that they lose the chance of eternity. That is true. But otherwise, what we're saying is that a soul as a Chelek Elokami Ma'al is by definition pure resistance, pure resilience, pure metal. It, there's nothing it can't stand up to. So that's number one of this. Number two of this is the word lave throughout Chazal and throughout the Torah has three possible meanings. Um, sometimes it's a metaphor like lave hayam, the heart of the sea. There's no heart in the sea. It means, as Rashi points out, it's in the, in the toikef, in the, the strength of the waters that split and we walked through the middle on dry ground before the walls came crushing down on the Mitzrim, but take in the, in the, in, in the middle of the, the sea. So sometimes the word lave refers to the middle, like lave hayam or lave hashamayim. The, there's no heart in the heavens, uh, as in mentioned by Masha Benun, Parashas Be'ezchanan, Perek Dalet, where he reviews uh, the Aseret Sadibrais, and he re- reviews the fact that the, 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 the mountain was boye, was flaming, adlev hashamayim, till the heart in heaven. There's no heart in heaven. Again, look at Rashi. It's, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor of the toich in the midst of all the black cloud and the fire and the lightning and the thunder and the shofar blowing. That's what it means, lev hashamayim. But otherwise, the word lave can physically mean your heart, your physical heart. That's very unusual. It's coming in next week's Pasha, Tetzaveh, Perakavches, Pasukavtes, through Lamad and Lamad Aleph, in reference to the Choshen Al-Liboy. But the vast majority of times, vast majority of times, the word lave means mind. Now, the Christian translation is heart, and it, only, it stays with that throughout the whole of Tanakh. And it became popular, and so almost every single translation, except for Rabbi Victor Miller, he was big on this. He even translates Chayvas Halavavos as duties of the mind, because Leif does not mean heart. The majority, when I say majority, I'm not talking about nine out of ten. It's like 97 out of 100. 
times. The word lave is found in Tanakh, it's referring to your mind. Um, in the words of Rabbi Abigdamel, I'm going to quote you the Ramban in a few moments, and no uh, disrespect to Ramban or the Eben Ezra, who I'll quote in a few moments, but R- Rabbi Abigdamel, in his Sefer, Leva Victor, right at the very beginning, and Shar uh, Hadas, Shar Hadas, so he writes there, Hine, it's a very important word, Hine means pay attention, Hine, behold, pay attention, Leiv Beloshna Kaidesh, the word Leiv, in in Lashna Kaidesh, Misamen Eskaya Hamachshava Deharegesh. It's an iconic word that's referring to Machshava, your thought and your feeling. Now watch this. Uh, I hope I, I hope I don't offend anybody if I if I only quote Kazal and Rishonim and not Christian Bible uh, to rely upon for for translation. Um, I, am I upsetting anyone? I wouldn't. I don't want to be accused of deviating from the Masara. That's why I just want to make sure you're okay. Okay, good. Um, so the word lave, thank you. The word lave, um, in probably the, one of the most, I don't know if you're allowed to say this, the most important pasuk in the Torah, but uh, arguably one of the most important pasuk in the Torah, um, which reached our davening every single morning, every single night. Le'ahavta. You shall love Hashem b'chol levavcha, with all your thoughts. So, uh, this is not my translation. This is Ramban with a nun and Ebena Ezra. You'll find it in Paragvav Pasukhe on the words, Love Hashem, Bechol Levavcha. Uh, says Ebena Ezra three words, Lev Hu Hadaat. So help me. What does Da'at mean? Oh, Da'at means your mind. Ramban concurs. So we've got Rishonim who are telling us, Watch out. The word lave in the Torah means your mind. Once you know this, then we can really talk about resilience. Because resilience is not something outside of you, ever. It's impossible. It's not something you can get from others. You might get inspiration. You might read stories of resilience that you relate to, and therefore you want to emulate that. But actually, what you're going to be doing when you emulate it is simply revealing the resilience that's already inside you because you are infinite. The real you is infinite, your mind. Your mind is forever. And the real you is not your body. The real you is your das. This is brought in many, many from even the same, say if I've just quoted from Leva Victor, from Rabbi Victor Miller, blessed memory. He says, Ikra Adam Huha Das. And this is brought many times also in Rav Nachman Breslev in Likutim Run. Uh, he brings this many times as well. The Ikra Adam, who Seichla Nikna, who Adas. It's the mind that you acquire during your lifetime. So uh, to close on this point, one last place I'm going to share with you, Sefer Chinuch. These are Rishonim. Comes on Sefer Chinuch, I'm going to quote to you the Sforno as well, on, on um, Mitzvah number Lamates. Actually, we just read it last week. Lotasun iti Elohei. Don't make me into statues, I'm going to translate, of, of silver or, or of gold. And that's where we learn that you should make a full statue, a complete uh, statue of a human body. Um, and that's, that's considered duplicating, uh, duplicating a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Says Seif HaChinuch on that mitzvah, when Hashem said at the beginning of the Torah, Perak Aleph Pasuk Hafav, 
Let us make man in our image. Hashem has no image. So what's it referring to? There's no physical image. What's he referring to? When Hashem said, let's make man in our image, it's referring to that that portion of the seichel, of the mind, that Hashem put in man, because the seichel that's in you is really 100% a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So what we're really saying is, Hashem is inside us all the time because our neshama, which powers our mind and powers our ability to think, our ability to move, our ability to do everything is all powered by the neshama. The moment the neshama leaves the body, the body's dead. The body's dead, not the person, because the person's not a body. We are our minds. So um, I hope I've established this up front uh, in order that now when I, I, I quote to you the Sephano, it makes much more sense. What the Sephano says on the same parak of, of what your neshama is. What's, what is Salmenu? Uh, says the Sephano, etsem sikli benitzchi. Your, the tzalem of a human being is the essential seichel that is eternal. Your mind is eternal. And therefore, the whole concept of either being bullied is a misunderstanding. You can't be bullied. It looks like that. You can't be intimidated. It can only look like that if I think I'm intimidated and I think I'm bullied. But the moment I realize, where am I experiencing the intimidation? And the answer is always the same. Actually, I'll make the question even simpler. Where are we experiencing everything? And the answer is, it's always thought. It's impossible to experiencing anything outside of thought. Even, even um, uh, Reb, Reb, um, Yaakov Meir Shechter, uh, Shlita, he, he writes in the Sefer, I'm not sure if it comes out uh, backwards on your screen, V'nichta uh, Sefer, it's in Chelik Aleph, and on page Kuf Ayin Hey, he brings there, and it's very, very powerful Lashem, very simple Lashem, and he quotes the Balatanya, Parshas Vaischanan, Perek Vav, Amud Beis, Shekosav, Shekol Harikshe Ha'adam, Hergeshe Ha'adam, all the feelings, all the emotions of a human being, Nimshachim, are drawn after his thoughts. That means to say, it's very, very simple. You are always feeling your thinking. You cannot experience anything except through thought. Once you know this, it's going to make life a lot simpler. And it's, I'm not talking about intellectual knowledge. It's, a, it's an experiential knowledge that when we catch ourselves in anger, that's a regesh. Oh, that's an emotion. Uh, well, actually, it's not really an emotion. The feeling of anger is a reflection of what I'm thinking. If I'm frustrated or anxious, that's because I'm thinking thoughts of frustration and anxiety. If I'm down or depressed, Hasbashalam, well, guess what? That's because my mind is focusing on nothing will ever change. There's nothing I can do that's ever going to change us. And I fall into huge despair, God forbid. But that's what I'm thinking. Now, I'm going to say something, not for the shock value, even though that has some shock value, but it's really for the reality of it. You see, you, 
today, are you the same person today as you were two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? Of course not. We mature, we change, we learn, we make mistakes, we pick ourselves up, we fall again, we start again. And as the years go by, we get more clarity about every area of our lives, hopefully. And therefore, who you are today is not who you are 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So let me ask you, are you ever really married to your spouse? And the answer is no. Now, I don't mean that you've got a ksuba and you've got witnesses. You had a wedding and it was videoed and not, not photoshopped. So I'm not taking away from the fact that you are married to that person physically. I'm referring to reality. You are never married to your spouse. You are only ever married to who you think he, she is. And your child is never your child. I don't, know, I don't mean not biologically. Of course they are. You've got fingerprints and the DNA. You can prove that, hands down. But I'm talking about reality. Reality is over here. Your child is never your child. Your child is only who you think he, she is. So if I really want to change my spouse, <laughs> very funny. If I really want to change my child, yeah, right. My teenager, you've got a piece of, that is ridiculous. If I want to change anybody, where should I begin? Oh, start over here. Because what I think about you will immediately translate into me feeling. Get up a bit of here. I'll be feeling differently about you because my feelings are an immediate reflection of what I'm thinking. And that when you, when you know this, there are so many psukim that suddenly make so much more sense than when we don't follow Christian-based translations. For example, Lotisna etahicha bilvavecha. Chapter 19, verse 17 in Parshas Kedoshim, don't hate your brother in your thoughts. Sefer Haredim says whenever the word lev is doubled over, it's plural. So lev means heart or mind, or it's a metaphor, or it means thought. Levav is referring to thoughts, it's plural. Don't hate your brother in your thoughts. Oh, because if I don't stop thinking hatred, it's going to reach to my body, my heart. And it's really true, medically speaking, that every single heartbeat is also a perfect reflection of what I'm thinking. So that if I ha suddenly have a fear, I hear a noise and I become fearful, my heartbeat will change. When we breathe in slowly, especially through the nose with mouth shut. I'm not going to go into that now, now, but if you want to check into James Nestor, you can learn more about breathing. Read his book, Breath. When we breathe slowly, we change our heartbeat. In fact, your entire nervous system relaxes. You see, there's a reason why Kaddish Baruch chose the word lave to mean both your mind first and then your heart as the icon of emotions. And that's because... The moment you think it, you feel it. You're always feeling your thinking. Resilience is a thought. And it's a thought that's already in your DNA. It's in your neshama. You actually say it every single day. And it's an astonishing request that you and I make. Astonishing. It's, it's one of the most important requests we ever make. We make it tens of thousands of times a day. I mean, uh, in, our, in our lifetime, not a day. And that request is right at the end of our almost last taste, as we, before we take three steps back in Shimon Esrei, we say the astonishing words, 
Everyone who curses me, let me be silent. Let me be silent to those who curse me. Really? Really? We're not finished. Let my soul be like dust. To whoever it is. Really? Oh, so I'm asking Rabbi Shleilam, please, before I take three steps back, the conclusion I want to come to is, let me be 100 schmata rieti. Everyone must walk on me and walk on me and tread on me. I'm a schmata. I'm just dust. What are we asking? At first glance, it looks astonishing. What's going on here? And it's a real request. Because afar, after you tread on it, what happens? Get softer or harder? When you tread on soil, it gets harder. What we're asking Hashem is, help me that the resilience you gave me internally comes out when people curse me, insult me, hurt my feelings. I don't mean to dim, uh, uh, diminish feelings. I'm just talking about where am I experiencing my feelings? Is it truly the spouse who said an unkind word? Or my boss who shows me no appreciation when I really busted myself in this in the, for this project? Or is it really the co-workers who are speaking behind my back that's getting me down? Is it really my kid whose lack of discipline and chutzpah is making me feel a failure of a parent? Or is it my thinking about my boss that's pulling me down? It's what I'm thinking about my kid, my spouse, my neighbor, my um, friends, my chavrusa. Um, have we covered everybody? It's my thinking that's pulling me down. And so we're actually asking the Benjamin, please, Benjamin, help me recognize that when I'm trodden on, let me have the resilience of Afar. Now, what does it mean, the resilience of Afar? So Nachum Breslov, he talks about this in, oh, I should have looked it up before. I'm sorry. I think it is in... Um, to, uh, Torah number 277. Um, he talks about this, that Hashem put in the minds of the Anshaykhanesis Dola to tell the Jewish people, this is the message I want you to walk three steps back with. And that is, you can stand up to anything Hashem sends you. And the, and the proof of it is, and this is, this, is a huge, this is a huge demand that we're making upon ourselves. I'm asking, let me be like Afa. What's like Afa? The after person walks on Afa, the Afa is still there. It's not, it's not broken. It doesn't need to go for therapy. It doesn't need years of analyzing. How, how did it happen that people walk on me? Instead, I'm asking a Kaddish Baruch Hu, let me be like Afa, the after I'm trodden on, I am no different. I am still strong, resilient. I'm not broken. And next is even bigger. Let me be like Afa, that even when we tread on Afa all day long, we're treading on the earth, on soil. Does the soil say, that's it, I'm done. You just tread on me. You take no notice of me. No more fruit. No more vegetables. No more pretty flowers. No more fruit-bearing trees. I'm done with you. No, Afar continues to do its job magnificently. And it only provides through photosynthesis and the warmth and sunlight 
Um, it provides us oxygen in turning plant life into carbon dioxide receiving agents that put out H2O for us, uh, um, uh, air for us, oxygen for us to breathe. The same alpha provides minerals, metals, and all the resources we require, petroleum, etc. despite the fact that we walk on it. So says Rav Nachman Breslev in that Torah, I think it's 277, help me Hashem, that even when people hurt me, help me to have such resilience that I'm not closed from doing them a favor, from helping them, from giving back to them, just like Afa does. So it's interesting that we actually ask Hashem, not for resilience, because we've already got it. We're asking that my soul reveal its resilience each time we are cursed or trodden on. And that's, that's came out the last request we're making as we, as we uh, end our daily Shimon Esrei, which the average person will have davened 60, 80, depending on how many years we're, we're blessed with, 60 to 80,000 times in our lifetime. We are training our minds to look at this world inside out, not outside in, because that's reality. You cannot experience anything in this world except through thought. It's impossible. Try experiencing anything without thinking. It's impossible. So what that essentially tells us is that thought is everything. And even Kavana Salev and Tefillah is everything. Even uh, the mitzvah of Simcha is what am I focusing on? What am I thinking? Um, I, I saw a talk show. Someone sent me this clip, blew my mind. Some of you may have seen this. I don't know who, who, who's the talk show uh, guy. Um, if it's a famous talk show, I have no idea. And he's speaking to contestants on his talk show. And he says to them, um, if someone upsets you today or insults you or compares you in a, in a very derogatory way to someone, um, might you be upset? And the contestants agreed, yeah. They don't know what they're being set up for over here, but they all agreed. And then he said, well, let me ask you, if I gave you a gift of $10 million cash today, would you still be bothered by that person's um, unkind comment? And every contestant said, no, probably not be bothered at all. He said, oh, okay. So if I give you $10 million cash, that will help you get through the day. Is that right? Everyone said, yeah, not knowing where this is going. And then he said, okay, I'm willing to give you $10 million cash each, but here's the only condition. You don't wake up the next morning dead. So how many contestants said they want the $10 million? Zero. So then he said, well, if I up it to 100 million, would you accept 100 million dollars cash today? But you have to die tomorrow morning. You don't wake up. How many contestants went for it? Zero. Now, the radio show, uh, it was, it was on, on a, a viewing, so not radio show, um, or maybe it was because he was speaking through a microphone. I don't know. Um, now, the host of this show, he then says to them, oh, so you will not take $100 million if you can't wake up tomorrow morning. Oh, so that means tomorrow waking up for a whole day is worth at least $100 million. And the contestants go, one of them was like, oh, man, I never thought of that. Wow, that's awesome. You know, and he got me thinking, wow, that's astonishing. Because Chazal tell us, 
But Teshuvah Masim Tobim, Teshuvah, the Ikamis of Teshuvah takes place over here, believe it or not. One hearer of Teshuvah changes our entire muscle. A Russia Gama, a Russia Gama, a completely wicked person who says to a lady, hurry up, make He gives her a, um, a, a ring and says, you're betrothed to me, Almanas, on condition, I'm a completely righteous individual. What's, what's the halacha? What's the Jewish law? And the answer is, Mikudeshes. It's a 100% valid marriage. Why? So the Gemara, which talks about this in Kedushan, I think it's Memtes, says, Shema, hear a teshuva, because maybe he had a thought of teshuva in his mind. This case in the Gemara is paskant. It's legally legislated in Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law, in the section known as Evna Ezra, and it's in chapter uh, Simon 38, subsection 31, I think. Uh, and there, the same Gemara is quoted word for word that everyone knows, but you do it. This is known that this man is an evil, completely evil, wicked man. And he says to a woman, you are betrothed to me with this ring or coin on condition that I'm a completely righteous individual, Mikudeshet, it's a valid marriage. Shema, perhaps, he heard Teshuva Beliboy, because maybe he had a thought of Teshuva in his mind. So you see that our sages inter, uh, they use the word Lev and Das interchangeably because it's referring to the same thing. But one thought of Teshuva in God's dictionary, one thought of Teshuva in God's dictionary switches the person's entire muscle from being a Russia Goma to a Tzadik Goma because he thought of doing Teshuva. So you see how powerful it is that one hour, Yafeshahas, Teshuva, Umaisim Tobim, and good deeds in this world is worth Mikol Chaye worth more than all eternity. Now, the same Mishnah, I think it's in Perak Dalit, uh, um, Mishnah Yud Dalit, uh, Tesvav. Um, depends on different editions of of uh, of, uh, of Pirkei Avais. So uh, you look it up there. Uh, then then the the, uh, the Mishnah adds, but one one hour of Kairos Ruch in Alam Haba is worth all of all, all the all the worlds of this this world, all the lives of this world. So it comes out that what Hashem is telling us that it's worth coming into this world for one thought of Teshuvah. One thought of resilience, when I'm saying to myself, you know what, I can, I can keep Shabbos a notch higher. Um, I can put a bit more Simcha into my Davni, or at least into Brikas Ashacha, or at least into Asher Yatsa, and put more Simcha, because when you do a mitzvah of Simcha, says Orchot Tzadikim, Shara HaSimcha, Orchot Tzadikim, claims that a mitzvah done by Simcha is worth Elef Yadot, a thousand times more than the regular mitzvah. That's amazing. You do a mitzvah basimcha. Where's where's basimcha taking place? Oh, it's over here. That's why the the uh, the Benish Chai famously uh, says, I think it's Parshas Baloischa. He says the word basimcha, which means in the state of happiness, basimcha is the exact letters machshava, thought. Because where does happiness take place? Oh, it's over here. Sadiqim, and even lesser than Sadiqim, know the truth of this concept, that you cannot experience life outside of thought, and that the ultimate liberation is not coming out of Mitzrayim. Uh, the ultimate liberation will not even be 
the final geula. The ultimate liberation starts way before. It starts over here. We actually say in our davening every night, Marif, we say, Hashem took us out from their midst in reference to Mitzrayim, to eternal freedom. Uh, excuse me, uh, excuse me. Um, eternal freedom? Golas uh, Bavel? Oh, we weren't free there. Um, Golas Pras, Golas Yavan, Golas Edain, Spanish Inquisition, Crusades, Tapatat, Gazarist Russia, Communist Russia. I mean, what do you mean? What do you mean eternal freedom? And the answer is anyone here who's into Briscoe will know there are two didim in freedom. There's two ways of looking at freedom. There's a freedom that we associate to physical limitations, and now I'm liberated. But then there's another freedom which is taking place over here. Nobody can take that away from you. The one who I found articulated this most, I think, in Chazal is probably Rabbi Akiva in the moment that his flesh is being flayed by red-hot pokers, and he had the presence of mind to say the Shema Yisrael. I'm not allowed to say Lahavdil between Jews, but Viktor Frankl, who was Jewish, and uh, to his credit, put Tefillin on every day, even after the Holocaust. Um, in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he makes the claim that when he was being operated upon in the camps without anesthetic, he said the following words, I experienced the greatest moment of liberation when I realized that the, the Nazis had my body and they could do anything they wanted with it. But as long as they didn't have my mind, I was not the captive. Because the real me is not my body. And he was able as a logo therapist, logo is, a, I think it's a Greek and then later a Latin word for meaning. And it, he, he worked on this where he helped, even after the Holocaust, he helped survivors understand that there's two parts to pain. In the same way, there's two parts to freedom. I think I'm not, I can't be free of my mind cluttered with all the worry and anxiety, COVID, shall I take the vaccine, not take the vaccine? Will, will I ever be reunited with my family abroad? And whatever it is I'm going through, that is taking place over here. And what the Torah is telling me is that I am always able to let go of what I'm thinking and think something else. Always, without any exceptions. I'll prove it to you. I want, I want to wrap up and give you a time for any uh, comments, questions, or criticism, for that matter. Um, so I heard this from Rabbi Yaakov Greenwald, uh, blessed memory, who heard this from the stipler. Rabbi Yaakov Greenwald wrote a sefer with the stipler called Eitzes Vahadrochas. I actually have it here. Um, and it's a fascinating sefer, Eitzes Vahadrochas from the stipler with, with Rabbi Yaakov Greenwald. And um, he asked many different questions of people with all sorts of mental conditions, mental illnesses, whatever you want to call them. And um, he refers to one younger man, a young man in Kolo, um, who was uh, plagued during learning and especially during davening, he would see Avodah Zara in front of him and he couldn't stop thinking about the Avodah Zara. And it were, the worst part was every time he would bow down, he would think he's, in his mind, he's bowing down to Avedazara. Um, um, 
שיש לו מחשבה של עבודה זרה בשעה שעסק בתיירות, בפרט בשעה התפילה. So the, the, the stipend was asked, what, what, what advice can you give this person? Uh, listen to the simplicity of the answer. Says the, the stipend of best memory, Shadas no tenet, the mind has been given the following. Shikol elu hamachshavos, ability to hires, all these thoughts are not pure. Shalhanidon of the person that we're talking about, ain bahen mamash. There's nothing in them. There's nothing in the thought that can kill the guy. The problem is not the thinking. The problem is not letting go of the thinking. And he says in the next words, um, This is the nature of people who are, 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 are easily fall into anxiety. He's afraid of this thought. And so says the stipler, I'll skip to the very end. The actual thought of Abedah Zara or the worries he's having of, of, uh, of uh, undressed people in front of, his, in front of his mind, on the actual thought itself, don't pay attention, don't think about it. Don't, just ask a Baruch Save me please. The more I pay attention to the thought, the more confused I get because I'm thinking about the thought instead of letting go. And how do you let go? So some of you are familiar with a smartphone. You have a smartphone and you get a pop-up in the middle of the phone and you can either press the pop-up or you can press delete at the top. Now, When you get a pop-up in your mind, and this happens all the time, we get pop-ups. How do you delete the pop-ups? Where's the delete button inside your brain? And the answer is ridiculously simple. You cannot have more than one thought at a time. It's impossible. That's what the stipend brings also in the same sefer. It's also brought from Nachman Abreslev in the Kutimran Torah, it's impossible to have two thoughts simultaneously. Therefore, the life of a thought is only as long as you think it. So how far are you ever away from a new thought? And the answer is, you're always one thought away. No exceptions, you're always one thought away. And where's that delete button over here? Your next thought, your next thought. Get distracted with a phone call, get distracted, open up a safer, say to him, daven to Hashem, get back on that project, um, get to that email. You, we are always distracting ourselves all the time anyway. And this is simply the nature of thought. We always have resilience. I don't have to live in anxiety. I don't have to live in worry. I don't have to live in fears. Because once I know that the true source of my fear is what I'm thinking, who's controlling that? Me. If I recognize the true source of my anxiety is not what is seemingly causing me to be anxious, it's my thinking about COVID. It's my thinking about my health. It's my thinking about my finances that's driving me crazy, that's stressing me out. The traffic can't stress you. Now, I commute. I go to Brooklyn. I used to go uh, three times a week from Muncie. It's, it became like a two-hour drive each way. If I want to be on time, I had to allow at least two hours. And I used to honestly believe that traffic stresses me out. Until I realized, well, why is it that when I've got company in the car that I really find stimulating, 
the traffic doesn't bother me. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for every red light because I get more time to spend with this person who's such an interesting person. Or you're listening to something that you're really enjoying. It's so stimulating that uh, you're not thinking about, tra- oh, you're not thinking about the traffic. Oh, I see. It's not the traffic that is stressing me out. It's my thinking about the traffic that's, tra- that's stressing me out. It's not my spouse. It's not my kid. It's not my doctor. It's not my health. It's not my business. It's what I'm thinking that's either stressing me or liberating me. So the bottom line is my thinking is what gets me in trouble. And it's my thinking that will get me out of trouble. And that's God's gift to us. He gave us the gift of resilience that we never have to think we're stuck. Uh, There are so many examples I would love to give. I'm going to close on Sari Mainly. I can't think of a more tragic story because Sari Menu waited how long for a child? 90 years. That's a long time. Baron, 90 years. Kidnapped, not once, twice. She arrives in Eretz Canaan like Avram Avinu and she goes through the same famine. She experiences almost all, not all, but almost all the Nisyanus, all the tests of Avram Avinu. And yet, the Torah tells us, Perakhaf Gimel Pasukalev, chapter 23, verse 1, that if Sare Menu was interviewed and asked, please, Sare Menu, tell us what was your whole life about? Like, as, as a quick summary, she would say, astonishingly, astonishingly, three words. This is what Rashi quotes. Kulan, all 127 years. Kulan, all of them. Shavin, were equal. Letoiva, for good. Sare Menu, please. And we talk of denial. That's not a, a, a river in, in Egypt. It's when a person uh, uh, doesn't, uh, never mind. So, uh, Sari Emenu, you never saw your son to the chuppah, your only son. You never saw any grandchildren. You died, the Malbim says, from ecstasy, but in the second before you died, the shock that Yitzhak was shechted means that your entire life of devotion, gone. Because who's taking over? If Yitzhak's not here, who's the heir to Avram Avinu? Yishmael. Now we know that in that very last second, even if she had that pop-up, I'm, I'm making the claim that in that last second, she left this world loving Hashem. And that's why Shlomo Melchachem tells us that she gets the last laugh. We say it every Friday night. Vatishap Leon Acharon. Why is she going to get the last laugh? Look at the Malbim on that pasuk. Because at Trias Amesim, she gets the laughter of the irony that her son Yitzchak will laugh from the word Shaykh. She will have the last laugh. Why will Batishak Liyay Maharan? Because millions, billions of Jews throughout the millennium who lived and died all came from this one Sadekas. Her resilience to the last second means she was able to say and honestly mean it. Kula, my entire life, all 127 years, shoving the table. And you and I would say, but Sarah Menu, you had a tough life, a difficult life. How could you say that and mean it? And she'll say, oh, I understand. You're looking at my life outside in. 
You're reading the story. I'm telling you what I was thinking. Kulan Shavin Latayba. The first letters of Kulan Shavin Latayba is Kuf, is Kaf, Lamad, Shin, which spells the letters Seichel. Seichel means mind. The Rashi Tevis of the words Kulan Shavin Latayba spell out the word Seichel, because where do we experience life? Oh, it's taking place here. And Hashem invites us every day through our spouse, through our children, through our colleagues and our co-workers and our friends and our neighbors and our and our community and the leadership or sometimes lack of leadership or uh, the politics. And we're being bombarded by Olam Hazer, Olam Hasheke, Olam Hadimian. It's all an illusion that Hashem deliberately designed for us to struggle with, is life really happening outside in or inside out? And that's really the challenge. We are all Kulai Seichel Hanitzki, in the words of the Safarno, and therefore our true self is on the Shama that is the essence of resilience because you and I are made of God. God is inside us all the time. That's why it's impossible to accept that yish, despair, is a reality, simply an innocent misunderstanding of God's world. This world is perfectly good all the time. We don't see it that way. It's getting better. And Hashem said it himself. He said in his own words, this world is exceedingly good. And he said that moments, moments. He said that right at the 12th hour on Friday, going into Shabbos. He gave his final report. All they made vehine, and behold, pay a special attention. The world is exceedingly good. And the Rabbani Shalim said that seconds after Adam Arishan ate from the tree, was in the ninth hour, tenth hour, he was, no, he was commanded in the ninth hour, tenth hour, he ate from the tree, eleventh hour, he, uh, uh, Hashem uh, sat on the basin and judged Adam Arishan. And in the twelfth hour, He's thrown out of Gan Eden. And at the end of the 12th hour, Hashem gives his final report and says, this world is exceedingly good. How can you say that, Rebbe Shalom? Adam just messed up your entire plan. Now we know by almost 6,000 years. And the Shalom's answer is so simple because life takes place over here. And one hero of Teshuva, one thought of Teshuva changes everything. How much more so a lifetime of keeping Shabbos and Yom Tov and Taras Mishpacha and Sitzit and Tefillin and Davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and bringing children into the world and grandchildren into the world and following the ways of Hashem uh, and you're spreading Torah like your curls. Wow! Yafesha This world is so beautiful. Even one hour is so beautiful. One day is worth so much more than 100 million if I were to know the true currency. In the schus, in the merit of knowing, that resilience is something you can never lose. It's always inside us. We can reveal it at any time as soon as we realize I'm only one thought away. Oh no, my wife's right. There's nothing there. Okay, never mind. I'll discuss that later. We are always one thought away from the next thought. That thought is our Bakira. Am I on God's side? I have a Muna and I'm not going to fall into worry, anxiety, COVID, health. Finances. Am I going to know Hashem? You're running the world, and you'll bring about the gula in its fin- finality, coming soon. Tiasamesim in a cemetery near you. Actually, really near Israel, but hold on tight because 
Resilience is reality. Thank you for your patience. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. I am. Uh, anyone would like to share their comments. I definitely have a, a great, a great thanks, um, but I'll open the floor to anyone else. Okay. Hi, Rabbi Rani. Hi, Phyllis. Hi. I want to ask you a question. Um, you know, we hear that our thoughts make these neural pathways in the brain. Yes. So the more we think about something in a certain way, it gets kind of like burrowed in there. So it seems like it gets over years, people who are a little bit older, and they've been used to thinking about something in a certain way, it almost seems impossible to change our thinking to something else when it's so intrinsic into our, into our thinking. Correct. It does look that, like that way. Um, um, to to uh, do my best to answer this, I would quote the following. There's a Gemara in... Um, Makai stuff yud am a base ten b, and it says b'derech adam right say lelech moylich noisai. The direction a person wants to go in, they accompany him. Now the Marasha, who's one of the most famous of the commentators on the Talmud and especially the non-legal sections, he makes the following comment. He says um, that the words are all in singular until the end. In the direction a person wants to go in. That's all in singular. They accompany him. That's plural. So he asks, who is the they? And he answers, every thought we ever have creates a malach. You can call them, if you want, in the world of, of neurology. Um, these are pathways that we are creating. And the more we tread on that pathway the more easily it is for my mind to go there because I've gone there so many times. Um, people with addictions will say that's, that's why they um, are having a hard time changing their neurological pathways, etc. People who've seen anger in their family and, and uh, use it against their own immediate family when they get married um, will argue, look, my pathways have, have uh, been trodden on this path and I don't even know any other path. But comes along the martial and says something extraordinary. We've created our own spiritual power through every word we say, every action we take, and every thought. And we literally create malachim. We create these, in English, angels, but they're really spiritual powers. And it is true that they are guiding me in the direction I want to go in. So if Hasma Shalom, a person looks at the wrong websites or pictures again and again, or magazines, or a person um, falls into anger um, frequently, it is true that he's creating malachim that are helping accompany him in that same direction. However, teshuva, which has many levels, is so powerful that it's possible that a person can have a moment of extreme clarity where he cuts out going in that direction ever again. And that's where Rambam claims, I think it's in Perak base, Nehulchas Teshuvah, I think it's in Perak base, Halacha base in Gimel, where he talks about Hashem knows, deep down, Hashem will know if when a person says, Gama Belibai, he committed in his mind not to go back and do that Avera, Hashem counts him as a Tzadi Gama, completely righteous individual in that moment. So we are actually capable of changing uh, the pathways of our mind because. 
depending on the commitment we make to let go of, let's say, bad habits. So I'll give you one quick example. I was once on a Zoom where a gentleman who had been through 10 rehabs for heroin. Now that's unusual because heroin is a hard drug. It's very addictive. And most people wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be alive after two or three rehabs. They would have overdosed. He went through 10. So it was a miracle he was alive. And he, by his own admission, said that the only thing missing in his entire life was a death certificate. Until after the 10th rehab, he realized he never had a heroin addiction. Now, all of us on Zoom are going, huh? <laughs> 10 rehabs for heroin. And now you're saying you had never had a heroin addiction? What was the matter with you? And then he said the most extraordinary clarity. He said, I suddenly realized I never had a heroin addiction. I had a thinking problem, not, a, not a, an addiction problem. I had a thinking problem. I thought that heroin would help me escape from my pain. And when he, said, when he realized it's not the heroin that has any power to overcome him, it's his thinking that taking drugs is going to get him out of whatever it is he's escaping from. And he goes around America. I've forgotten the guy's name. I should really find out. He goes around America to rehabs and prisons and teenagers lecturing on the power of your mind to recognize that it's not the food that has a power to get me addicted. It's my thinking about the food. Oh, yeah, I think I'll take another bite. But wait a minute. What about my health? What about my cholesterol? What about my need to uh, either lose weight or um, feed myself with food that gives energy as opposed to sucks my energy? Um, so all those are thoughts. It's my thinking and my not thinking that's getting me in trouble. But it's even though it is true, I agree 100% that we do create these neuro pathways that we could uh, um, entrench ourselves so deeply, it looks like I can't turn around. And yet what we're claiming is one thought therapy. I think that's the name I want to trademark. One thought therapy means that Akadosh Baruch Hu created us, that it's worth coming into this world for one good thought because we already get Alam Haba for that. How much more so for everything else that we do. And that if I honestly believe that I can never change, then I'm not going to even try. And Hashem wants me to know that there's no such thing as yush. There's no such thing as despair. And so no, no matter how deep my neural pathways have been, in the way I respond to difficulty or people, um, my true resilience is God is good, life is good. I'm capable of giving back even to the person who's hurt me. It's actually last week's parasha. We say, Ki when the chamo belonging to your, your enemy, the one you hate, is collapsing under its weight, um, you for sure have to help him. Look at the Targum and it says, remove the hatred from my mind against him. And the Torah is actually telling me, my, the person who I actually hate, I should go out of my way to help him. So it's actually a mitzvah in the Torah. It's not, it's not some sort of mitzvah chasidus, and it's something we're requesting every day. We can change ourselves, and we do. We're able to do that. Sorry for a long answer to a short question. Rabbi, yes. is the reason that is the reason that the Torah ends with Yisrael and begins with Bracious, which could be Lave, is to tie in with everything that you've said that Hashem wants us that resilience is the thing that 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 connects. I think that's a very beautiful insight. I think you should write that down. It's excellent. 
Yeah, the the lave in its constant uh, beating of the heart. Um, we yeah. we go back to Torah again and again and again, and certainly after Tchias um, our heart gets a second chance. So, hundred percent, I think that's a brilliant insight. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Okay, terrific. Thank you so much, Rabbi uh, Rieti. Thank you, David. I agree. Uh, we look forward to the next time. Thank you okay. all for joining. Have a wonderful Thank you day. Thank you for having me. God bless you all. God bless Thank David. You. Bye, Sherry.